Uh, I also found out today that the name of our chief of building security... Justice. That's amazing. I'm pretty sure they didn't even look at his resume. <laughs> Zero credits. This week on Zero Credits, we've got some Fast and Furious spat stuff, your weekly World Women's World Cup update, and whatever John's got. Welcome back to Zero Credits. My name's Henry. And my name is John. And together we're Henry and John giving you a preview of the episode at the top for the first time ever. Yes, this is uh, the show where we talk about things that we planned. We're so planned. We got so many plans for you. I'm going to reel it back. Calm down, and let's just take this from the top. This is the show where we talk about things happening in the cultural zeitgeist. This is your news. This is your week. This is your your week of July the 2nd. That's the current day. So what I'd like to do now is uh, something that I've never done on the podcast before, which is after you uh, introduce the podcast, I'm going to uh, say some kind of cultural non sequitur loosely based on what you talked about, and then we'll talk about it for anywhere from five minutes to the entire episode. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds good. Have you ever seen The Way of the Gun? The Way of the Gun, is that the one by John Woo where they use Gung Fu? Uh, no. Which one are you thinking of by John I Woo? I don't There's know. There's a lot of John Woo movies. But the oh, one, is that Face Off? Gun Kata. Gun Kata. That's not John Woo, that's Equilibrium. That's Equilibrium. That's what I was thinking With of. Christian Bale. Uh, it is a... Equilibrium is a bad movie, but a great martial arts and guns movie. Uh, Way of the Gun is about a pregnant lady kidnap gun violence. Oh, that sounds like... Children of Men. Uh, yeah, that's also a pregnant lady kidnapped gun violence. Anyway, there's a line in Way of the Gun that says a plan is just a list of things that don't happen. Oh. And that's what I thought about. I think it was either one of the presidents that said, uh, planning is good, but plans are useless. The president of where? One of the American presidents that said, oh. planning is good, but plans are, are worthless or something like that. Okay, that seems like something a president might have said. And speaking of worthless, we're going to be worthless in a minute when we drink these nice frosty beers. Yes, once again, much my condolences, <laughs> listeners, for the IPAs are back. I have a new strategy, John, a new, a new beer drinking strategy. Because I'm pretty good for two IPAs. But at the third IPA, I get very political and ranty, <laughs> as everyone experienced last week. Yeah. So my secret, Captain, is that for the last drink, I'm going to switch to a Pilsner. Not an IPA. Therefore, hopefully won't get political, but might get sad. <laughs> yeah. So instead of... That would be an interesting uh, experiment to see what beers affect your mood in what way. Because much like how I prefer my IPAs, drinking an IPA makes me juicy. Oh, so juicy. No, that's a real thing. That the alcohols, different types, affect people in different ways. Or so I've been led to believe by the media. Yes, the media tells me a very specific narrative, which I believe. Uh, my... Here's something that I was thinking about and reading about. 
Uh, you like IPAs, or you're just kind of on the fence about them. I tolerate them when they are available and nothing else is. Uh, I quite like IPAs. They're not my favorite beer, uh, and I find that IPA culture is disgusting. And part of the reason why it's disgusting is people typically, now, what they look for in IPA is a quality of juiciness. Or like bitterness. They want the bitters, man. See, the they want juiciness is like that, that hoppy kind of top note bite. It tastes kind of refreshing. Yes, actually, yeah, and I know what you're talking about. Other better IPAs than the one we're drinking mm-hmm. have that in spades. And it's a quality of the beer and of the hops and... Of how it's made that gives it the, like, juicy kind of refreshingness to it. Uh, but typically for an IPA to be juicy, it is quote-unquote juicy. It's, like, higher alcohol content and has slightly more hops. And now that we've started to try, ju- started to want juicier and juicier beers, we're starting to produce a lot of IPAs, which typical, like, beer connoisseurs are considering hop-burnt. Yeah. So we're making a what... Generally speaking, experts consider to be absolute trash. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and these beers that you're talking always have hops in the name, like Hopadillo or yeah. Hopzilla or or the Black Star Co-op Hopons. Hopons, or thank God it's not hops, or I can't believe it's hop butter. Yeah, <laughs> hop butter. Ooh, <laughs> man, I I really think I could sell a beer called Hop Butter. Yeah. I think you would get a lot of curious tries, and then who knows if you get any repeats. <laughs> it's uh, it's much like Frank's Red Hot uh, Buffalo Sauce. Oh, yeah? And one of its ingredients is natural butter-like flavor. Oh, God. From whence? <laughs> from, from whence does this butter-like flavor come? <laughs> that is uh, my favorite line from an H.P. Lovecraft short story. Uh, so we've got some topics to cover that I kind of outlined in the opening. If I did this better, I would have asked if you had a topic that I could s- smudge in there or squeeze in there. But instead, I just did the two topics that I brought. No, that's totally fine. I watched something today that I feel like we've already planned a segment about. Oh, cool. It was called the uh, Women's, I believe, World... Hold on. Cup? Yeah, like something... I, I, I like that. Something with that title is continuing to happen. And uh, I, I believe there might have been two matches since we last talked. I don't... Did we talk about the French game Did, did we talk week? about... Were they playing France on Friday? When yeah, we I, post the episode I so th- we didn't know? Yeah, I think they did. I think they played France on Friday... And so we need to technically cover that game. Yes, let's cover the France game, which I did not watch, nor caught up on. Yes, uh, I know good things about it because of the good things that happened after. However, show me that, Google, show me, (laughs) show me that other game. Oh, is this... You're like, okay, Google, show me that other game. It's not working. <laughs> Great. It won't show me that other game. Um, that's interesting. Ah, I have found it. The quarterfinal game for the U.S. women's national team uh, against France was played on Friday, and so we haven't covered it. So we need to cover it. What do we? What do we want to say about it? Uh, well, the first thing that I'd like to cover is there, there's two quarterfinal matches we really want to look at. The first one, England-Norway. 
Real blowout on behalf of England. 3-0 against Norway. That's a pretty big, for a quarterfinal, pretty big match. So that was a pretty big match. And then the United States came by day after that, uh, defeated France 2-1. Despite having less possession, less passes, and less pass accuracy than the uh, French team. It, it's almost You see this a lot in soccer, where one team physically dominates the game. But it comes down to goals made, and we just made more goals than they did. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's balls and nets. Honestly, you're not right. I mean, honestly, you're... <laughs> what a weird dunk. <laughs> honestly, hey, man, honestly, you're not right. <laughs> honestly, man, you're wrong. <laughs> Which is weird because I meant to agree with you. Honestly, you're not wrong. Uh, what a Freudian. You would imagine, though, given uh, England's dominant performance in that Norway game, that a few uh, that a few pundits, maybe people like Piers Morgan or or just people in general, would say, "Oh, when England plays the United States, England is going to mop the floor with them." Piers Morgan isn't that like a weird rich dude who I don't care about? He is. Why would I care about his hot take on soccer? I don't know. Sometimes I like to uh, look at the opinions of bigots when they get retweeted and people make fun of them. So he, he was like, "Oh, we're going to get blown out just because of one little like goal differential between the two. Should I explain the Pierce Morgan thing? Please. Pierce Morgan is a uh, right wing dipshit racist asshole. Okay. Uh, uh, maybe edit that out. I don't know if he'll sue us. He won't. Uh, he doesn't know about us. I don't care for Pierce Morgan whatsoever. He's reactionary. He sucks. Uh, he also very much does not like the political stance. Of one, and I guess two, pretty outspoken members of the women's U.S. soccer team. Football team. Now, I know some controversy came out, and I put controversy in quotes because it's not really a big issue. But Megan... Rapinoe. Rapinoe was interviewed by some journalist or interview person. And they asked, if you win the World Cup and the White House invites you, will you go visit... And Megan Rapinoe said, fuck no. Yeah, we will not visit the fucking White House uh, because it stands against everything that I love and am, I believe. Megan Rapinoe, quickly becoming my hero and should be yours. I've learned so much about her because she said that. Had she not said that, still would not know her name. Yeah. Even though she, <laughs> she scored a lot of goals in this whole tournament. I uh, am very anti... In its entirety, the whole, like, shut up and dribble movement in professional sports. Yeah. I think that if you're a uh, if you're a professional sports player, you have just as much opportunity to speak your mind politically as any other citizen. I- I've said it before on this podcast, and I'll say it again. Those with the opportunity or a platform, absolutely, if they so choose, should use that platform to further their agenda. And that's not like, agenda is not a scary word. It's just like if they have certain beliefs and they believe society could be better with those beliefs, they absolutely should tell those beliefs to people who will listen using what clout they have. Yeah, I mean, the the thing is, at the end of the day, everyone does have an agenda and you have uh, 
almost a moral responsibility to yourself to share your opinions on things. Because the only people who benefit from saying, oh, shut up and dribble, uh, shut up and foot dribble, whatever they call it. They call it, they call it dribbling. Uh, whatever the shut up and dribble people say, they, the only reason they say that is because the people they're directing it to are like less franchised members of society that they do not want to have like loud opinions at a public platform that are in deference to the ones that they already hold as establishment shitheads. Yeah, it's the gladiator problem where like you have a a fighter that gets really popular with the crowd who keeps winning all of his fights and then suddenly he's coming after your entire government structure. You're like, no, shut up and swing. Yeah. Don't tell people that, I, that I'm corrupt and I'm wrong. Plus you're a gladiator, so you could probably kill me. How dare you ask me if I'm entertained? Yeah, exactly. Shut up and kill that lion. Yeah, yeah. Are you entertained? Shut up and swing. Shut up yeah. and swing that sword is the Roman equivalent. Yeah. But absolutely, people like celebrities or artists, anyone who, who's having like a moment... Should absolutely, if they so choose, I want to stress that. It's not like a mandatory thing, but if you have a message to get out there, get it out. Like, I, that's what I liked about, I was talking to my wife about this on the way driving her to the airport. That's what I liked about Colin Kaepernick's protest. He wasn't disrupting anything. It was peaceful mm-hmm. and he was doing it on the platform that he was, that he earned by being an athlete. He, yeah. he was showing dissent for a thing he didn't like showing like hey people are struggling i'm in this privileged position let me highlight their struggle by by doing this non-violent protest and of course the world exploded around him i mean the the colin kaepernick story just goes to show that it's impossible to have a form of protest without people of a fascistic mindset playing the villain, playing the victim, rather, and villainizing you in everything you do. Because Colin Kaepernick's protest was uh, non-violent, non-verbal, completely silent. Completely non-aggressive. Like, yeah. he, if there is a correct way to protest, he was doing it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was effective. It, was, it certainly it was got people effective. talking. And one thing that I didn't know until this whole, this past week when Megan. Rapinoe kind of exploded onto the the cultural political scene is that she was one of the first women athletes to adopt Colin Kaepernick's protest. She knelt during the national anthem uh, that was played before soccer matches. Yeah, and that's per- that's pretty awesome as well. She's great. U.S. women's soccer team, between, so good. Yeah, between her and Ale- Alex Morgan, those are two names that I know. Great. Uh, but no. It's weird. Alex Morgan, because she's a good athlete, and then Megan uh, Rapinoe, because of her political beliefs. <laughs> and Megan Rapinoe, also no slouch in the athletics department. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone on that team has, like, superhuman abilities. Pretty pretty sure they could beat up anyone that stood in their way. Like, if we need, a, like, a, a group of crime fighters to yeah. save the world... My, I'm going to put my money on the women's U.S. soccer national team. Yes, the, the women's U.S. soccer national team uh, paid less, but still far outperforming. It's weird that they're pl- paid less because they literally play the same amount on uh-huh. the same field. Uh-huh. This isn't like a tennis discrepancy where, they, where the women play less sets. That makes no sense. Yeah. Pay gap, man. I guess it's real, but... Wait, I think I, I heard some politicians say it's like, oh, they just don't draw the numbers. Uh, 
they just don't draw the numbers, so it makes sense because they just don't put the numbers. Oh, what, numbers. in sports? Yeah. Oh, apparently they make comparable amounts to the U.S. men's soccer team. Oh, in, that's good. In terms of, like, attendance, merchandise. So that would mean... That's not true with yeah, that politician that would mean uh, it's a misogynistic lie. Wow. Uh, but no, going into Friday, beat France. And then today, Tuesday, the big one. The qu- oh, the, the I, semifinal. The semifinal. I forgot to mention, by the way, what Piers Morgan said was he hates Megan Rapinoe's political hey. beliefs. Oh, uh, and he talks down to her a lot on Twitter, and he said, "Can't wait for our lionesses to dent her ego." Is he British? Yes. Oh fuck him! Yeah, no, he's because he's foreign. Not only <laughs> is, fuck that foreigner. Not only is he a bigot, but he's a British bigot. I bet he voted for Brexit. You know what we can do? Kill be- him because of World Cup. We can be nationalistic against Piers Morgan. I don't know if you noticed, but. I- I said the phrase, fuck that foreigner. (laughs) Uh, The only circumstance under which it's okay. Thanks, the World Cup. Our nation tis of the sweet land of bigotry. Sweet land of bigotry. (laughs) So that brings us to today. Today's match, the quarter semifinal. I don't know. It's the semifinal. The semifinal, U.S. versus England. That the tired old battle that... That fight for independence that we fought so many times before. Raging since 1776. 1770. 1760. 76 was Declaration of Independence and it was going on for how many years before that? Seven. 1770. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, that, that war to end all wars. We fought for the right to put our commas within the quotation marks... While the British still put their their commas outside. Disgusting. This one small grammatical difference between the two countries has divided us for centuries. And then there's this place in in England called uh, Oxford, which has a whole different comma thing going on. No, I... Just kidding, everyone does that. I'm actually a fan of the Oxford comma. Here we go. I don't give a fuck about an Oxford comma. What? <laughs> you give a shit about Knox for Cal? What's the What's the Vampire Weekend song? Yo, right. Sorry, <laughs> this is a song. Never mind. <laughs> All right. I don't know what's happening. Guess who didn't play in today's semifinal match? Is it Megan Rapinoe? She didn't play, like we discussed earlier. Yeah, and uh, and the the news sources have no idea why she didn't play. It, it, she didn't warm up. She was in the uni. She was on the field, she was present, she just didn't warm up, and she didn't play. However, that did not stop us from... World domination. Fuck you, Pierce Morgan. Hope your ego got a little dented by our lionesses. I don't know the mascot of the U.S. team. What are we, intercontinental (laughs) intercontinental ballistic missiles? (laughs) That would be... Incredible. We have like a mascot character that's just a a javelin missile. Yes. So good. So we won this match very uh, close. It was a very close match. We won 2-1, but not without a few scrapes here and there. I, mm. I read uh, we almost had an own goal. That would have been that would have been horrible. Ooh, how do you almost get an own goal? Well, you could have passed it back to like the goalie and the goalie oh. wasn't ready. Oh, I see. Or like there was pressure there to yeah 
But uh, so the possession was a little more split. They still kind of outplayed us, but it was closer. And at the end of the day, they had six shots. We had ten shots. And two of our shots went in. And only one of their shots went in. Also the goalkeeper for uh, the U.S. women's national soccer team. What's the... What's is that? The, the goalkeeper for America... Uh, Very good. Oh, cool. There are some incredible action shots of her out there. Yeah, saves should be like a stat. You would think saves would be a stat, but it's not. I feel like that's stupid. And also, to note, uh, Britain got a red card. Oh. What? How do you get a red card? So you have to do something either... Okay, there are two ways to get a red card. You either get two yellows, so you were warned and you, you didn't... Uh, you didn't stop doing whatever you were warned about, so then they send you off. You didn't stop slide tackling people. Yes. Or you do something so egregious that they go straight to it, and that would be deliberately hurting another player, or deliberately like not following the rules. There are certain things, like technically, if a goalie runs with the ball out of the... Uh, the uh, the little... I forget what it's called, but the little area where she, she uh-huh. can have the ball... The paddock. <laughs> no, it's like the 18 or something like that. Um, if she deliberately handles the ball with, with her hands outside of that box, it's technically a red card. Okay. But, like, uh, a lot of... Well, one, no goalie would ever do that. And then, two, if it happened, a lot of the refs would probably be like, hey, stop that, here's a yellow. You know? Yeah. It, it really comes down to the referee when to card and why to card, mm-hmm. which is which what I... That's why I liked refereeing. I used to be a soccer referee when I was younger. First job I ever had. But that You have some freedom over how you police the game. And it's totally written into like the regulations for for refereeing that sport. Okay, but that, that's kind of how you would get a red card. And what it means is for that player, whoever M Bright is, the next time the women's nas- national team for England plays, she has to sit out. Ooh, I wonder what she did. I don't know. I, I doesn't say. All it says is uh, ex NFL quarterback Anthony Wright shot multiple times. That's not related <laughs> to soccer. Jesus Christ! That's what she got the red card for. <laughs> she shot multiple times. Ex NFL <laughs> football star Anthony Wright. That that was that goes oh, beyond. Man, the, I mean, they said you get a red card for intentionally hurting another athlete, and that's what she did. Jesus, she thought it was Christ. a loophole. She got. <laughs> She got, She's lucky she only got a red card. She She's got, lucky she didn't get arrested. She got in a Subaru Outback, drove off of the pitch, drove to Anthony Wright's house, shot him multiple times, led a high-speed chase back to the stadium to get a red card. That is amazing. And also horrible. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Hopefully, the police follow up. <laughs> the, refer- the police show up. The referee's like... Don't worry, gents. I got her. I gave her a red card, and they're like, "Oh, we get it." And, and then there's a this there's, is out of our jurisdiction. There's a judge on site at the pitch that's like, "Time served." Oh god. Uh, but yes, yeah, so that means the women's national team for the U.S. Your beer is rising. Yeah, it's okay. The U.S. national team for the U.S. is on to the very singular final, the last. Of the last. The group of two. The group of two, they call it. And we'll find out who they're playing tomorrow when the Netherlands face off of Sweden. And by the time this podcast drops, well, they won't have played because I think it's on Sunday. Oh, do you know who I guess they're going to play? 
Sweden. Sweden? Sweden's uh, been pretty dominant so far. Yeah. Like, if you look at the score Sweden's putting up, I do believe Sweden's done very well. Also, I might have been thinking of the Netherlands, though. I'm going to click on Sweden, see what happens. Uh, Sweden has won 2-1, 1-0, lost to us, beat Thailand 5-1, and then the screen refreshed and I lost my place. Great. So, <laughs> Pretty good performance. Pretty good performance. Let's check out the Netherlands. Uh, they have... This is not... <laughs> This is not. There we go. These are just pictures of the Netherlands. <laughs> they beat Italy two nothing. They beat Japan two one. They beat Canada two one. They beat Cameroon three one, and they beat. They have. They have won everything. Okay, so maybe the Netherlands. They are equally as dominant, I would say, as Sweden. The win probability that Google has generated says Netherlands forty one percent, Sweden thirty percent, and then twenty nine percent a draw. Yeah, in which case they both go on, and it's a three-way. <laughs> everyone, everyone plays. So we wish luck to our women's national team. Hopefully, they can best whoever they're playing, and uh, we'll just we'll recap the the uh, the final next week after it's played on Sunday. After it's played, oh, I'm so excited! I always get really excited for the World Cup more so than anything in life. What's what's Pretty awesome about the Women's World Cup is that we actually stand a fucking chance. Oh, yeah, no. So we can actually pay attention to it the entire time. The only thing is that there's not as much fever around it for some reason. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's because it's women and everyone's misogynistic and so no one pays attention. I, I don't know what it is, but everyone seems to get fi- more fired up about the actual World Cup where our team doesn't stand a chance at all or yeah. barely stands a chance. When the women, our U.S. women's team has, they, they are the reigning champs. They won four years ago. Like, this, this should be a reason to be excited. They're better at soccer than the men are. And to be honest, just between you and me, John, women's soccer is a lot more interesting to watch than men's soccer because they don't fake injuries as much. So I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand when this started happening. But when I started watching women's soccer games, I was like, why is no one flopping? Yeah. Why are, why is, where are the flops? No one, fl- everyone's just like, hey, let's just play a very technical game of soccer with a lot of good passing, good shooting. Let's just be like the best soccer players we can be. <laughs> Whereas like the men are like, my ankle! I rolled my... I'm dying! I'm physically leaving this plane of existence! Oh, I'm fine. You know what it reminds me of a lot? What? Uh, watching a lot of men's soccer matches, especially with certain teams that will go unnamed. You remember when Grand Theft Auto 4 came out? I don't. Uh, when Grand Theft Auto 4 came out, it was fairly revolutionary, I guess, in that like all character models had like physics baked into them already. So essentially, like ragdoll physics and stuff like that, the way that they worked previously was you would just very quickly drop out your keyframe model and turn it into a ragdoll. So you're physically dropping out the player model and replacing yeah, it with you, a separate generated ragdoll. Yeah, you just go bang, bang, and then you have a, a ragdoll. And that's typically how it worked. Uh, but with uh, GTA 4, they had this thing called uh, Euphoria, which was an engine where like character models just had physics and they would react to things like if they walk on the sidewalk, like on the curb, one foot would be higher than the other. They can walk upstairs, like they'll put their hands on things as they walk by them. Cool. Uh, 
And one thing that would happen is, like, if a character tried to, like, walk against something and, like, lost its footing, its legs would suddenly go crazy, its hands would reach up to its head as it was trying to find its center of balance, and it would slowly fall over. Uh, and that is what happens yeah. a lot in uh, in men's soccer. It's a shame. Like, I, I really wish they would do something about the flopping and, and like, all the acting that they do. Because, like, men can play a good game of soccer, but, like... I'll believe it when I see it. I know, exactly. <laughs> it's like, you watch the World Cup, and you're like, oh, this is... Uh, why is that guy rolling on the ground? Now yeah. they're all stopping time. It's it's like, stop being such babies about trying to get calls, and it's like, oh, yeah, so much scoring happens off set plays, so they want as many set plays as possible. But it's like, well, no, just make your, your ground game better. Make your... Your offense and defense, like, make them synergize and and get the flow of the game going so you can get shots off. Mm-hmm. Don't try to get things off set plays. That that's It seems cheap. Yeah, it seems cheap. Also, one thing that I would like to point out is I do believe uh, Jeff engaged us and said that uh, we needed some help with our soccer talk. So let us know, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff wanted to he, – he self-proclaimed himself the uh, – our, our soccer correspondent on our news team – so yeah, let us know, Jeff, when this episode comes out, if we said anything you disagree with. You know what would be interesting? What? If post-World Cup we actually had Jeff on... We could totally as like do that. A, as a color commentator from yeah. afar. We can totally do that. I think that might be a good idea. So Jeff, watch out. I might be contacting you. Hopefully I remember what website I used last time. And we can, we can set that up. That's totally a thing we can do. We only will ask you questions about soccer. That's all we want to know. Like, what the fuck is soccer? Here's the thing. Though. Who's the ball? Wait, let, let's say this away Where from Where are the cars? Let's say this away from the microphone. Once we get Jeff on here, we fucking get him. We kill him. We, we roast him. We, we kill, kill him. him. We, we kill him. We physically once, take knives to him. Once Jeff is here, we shoot we him. Shoot him. We shoot him with we knives. We kill him. We, we shoot him. him with some knives. We shoot him with hollow point bullets. And that are taped to knives. It will take his family two weeks to clean his brains off of the wall after we kill Jeff. Mm, yes. After we kill Jeff on the podcast. That sounds great. Okay. All right. Anyway, you want to go back to the episode? Yeah, let's go back to okay. the episode. Just remember when you edit. I've been speaking at full volume the no. entire time. It's okay. Just edit it out. No. Why would I do that? Turnabout is fair play. All right. So that's our soccer news. That's our sports corner for the week. What are we going to do when we don't have a sports corner? Uh, probably talk about the Fast and the Furious. Have you heard this? Have you heard this news? Wait, can I... Can I... I know that this is big news, and I this do... This is pretty big news. I do know about it a little bit. But, do you actually know about it? But one thing that I would like... A little bit of a, a moose-bouche... A little bit of Fast and Furious mouth amusement for you. A little appetizer. Appetizer? Appetizer. Appetizer. A little appetizer for you. Uh, a little crappetizer. The, uh, there's a video going around. Oh, there is a video going around. Of one Jason Statham. Jason Statham, known actor. Yes. Known actor and Fast and Furious alum. Yes. He is slow motion roundhouse kicking the screw on top off of a bottle. It's pretty amazing. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. Go on Twitter. 
Scroll for two <laughs> seconds and you will find it. It is. Jason Statham slow motion roundhouse kicking a bottle cap off a bottle. I'm... I want huh. to make this clear. He's not, like, kicking the top off of the bottle. And the top is not sitting on it, so he's, like, catching it with his foot. He is using the sole of his shoe to give it just enough force to twist the bottle cap off. Like, this is the amazing thing about Jason Statham. There are some actors who do action movies, who we absolutely adore. But, like... Sometimes I doubt they can do the things they're doing on screen. Not for a second do I ever doubt that Jason Statham is doing the thing that I'm, I'm seeing him do. I like, mean, he, he, he is... Okay, so if we're ever attacked by aliens, it's the U.S. national team, women's national team soccer, uh-huh. and Jason Statham team up yeah. to save us. Yes, please. Now, the, the thing with Jason Statham, he's a preternaturally gifted martial artist, used to be a stuntman. If you ever see the Transformers movies, Transformers, Transporter movies. The Transporter movies. That's just all him, I believe. Yeah, he's, I'm pretty sure. He's a phenomenally physically gifted human being. And I, I know that we're like, oh, he's uh, like fit and funny and actiony and sardonic. But he's also probably the most physically gifted actor that is alive. Yeah. Like, like, almost definitely. I will give props to any actor who goes through extra steps of training. Like, I will clap for Tom Cruise because he does his own... He does, like, one super explosive stunt permission impossible. Yeah. I will applaud Keanu Reeves for going through, like, the military, like, the Marine shooting courses and actually being able to pull that stuff off. But I will stand in awe of Jason Statham for just being able to do what he does on a regular basis. Just because, like, he is in f- full control of his, his his whole physicality. Yeah, he's so good. Watch that video. Anyway, on to the beef. There's a beef! There's major beef, John! Major beef! Major with, beef! With an actor that I really like. An actor that is near and dear to my heart. An actor that has starred in multiple Marvel movies and has been lifted from the already great art and sport that is wrestling, who threw major, major when dixie grade beef. They were the beef people. Oh, okay. That was their slogan in like the 80s, when dixie were the beef people. Oh, I have no idea. Major when dixie beef at the Fast and Furious Familia. In an interview, Dave Batista said he passed on a role in Fast and Furious franchise, quote, I'd rather do good films. Yeah. Okay. It's very difficult for me to unpack this because I want to believe that Dave Batista is a good person. And sometimes you want to believe people are good people, despite all evidence to the contrary. Given, for instance, that in his personal life, he seems to be a very generous, giving, and outspoken person. uh, That he's given so much to his roles and his co-stars. That he's pursued a lot of things intellectually. uh, That even in wrestling, he was kind of a face for like a a logical approach to the sport. All of that, yes. You might say he's a good person, but he implied that the Fast and Furious movies were bad, so he's the worst kind of person. Like, 
for a shining second there, his loyalty to James Gunn was winning over a portion of my heart because you don't see loyalty like that in the industry. You don't see people standing by, at the time, disgraced directors. You see actors getting quiet or like Chris Pratt is like, our hearts and thoughts are with James Gunn and Wait, his family. Can I do my quick impression of Chris Pratt giving yeah. a statement about James Gunn or anything? Sure. Today I woke up and it was uh, the greatest day of my life under the grace of God. I woke up with uh, my beautiful new wife. And, you know, I honestly think that with God watching over me and my new wife, uh, not my old wife or my son, that uh, that God will see James Gunn that God will see all of us through this and punish those who are responsible. Amen, Chris Pratt. <laughs> Jeez. I, I want to say randomly, so I, this is a huge sidebar. I watch a lot of YouTube videos at my work because I hate my job. But randomly, it started suggesting scary movie clips. Mm-hmm. And Anna Ferris is one of the like funniest comedic actresses of her time. And those scary movies need to be revisited just for her alone. Yeah. They, they probably have more worth than people give them credit for. Just for... Like, her acting is on point the entire time. Back to the issue at hand. There, for, a, for a second there, Dave Bautista was on my side, but now he's crossed a fucking line. Yeah. He has insulted the Fast and Furious franchise, and for that, he is dead to me. He was... He, he was one of my favorite roles recently in a sequel to probably my favorite movie. He was in Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. And he was really good. He had a really good role in Blade Runner 2049. The first, the very first part of that movie with, with Dave Bautista as the replicant farmer guy. Still haven't seen it. The beginning to the end of that first segment would have been an amazing Blade Runner inspired short film. Like, that is... It's like five to ten minutes of just genius stuff. Just so good. And he got added to Dune. This huge Dune project being directed by the same guy. I want to state this for the record. That directed Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets or whatever the fuck it's called. I don't have high hopes for the Dune movie being made now. But he's one of the 20 stars attached to it. Yeah. I just want to say that this 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 whole event happened around the news that broke out that John Cena was joining Fast Nine, and so fans who like to pitch things to to other celebrities or whatever, it's on Twitter. They pitched to him, "Hey, why don't you join John Cena in Fast Nine? And that's when he said, "Thank you for your consideration." Emoji of a puking face, Ooh. and then followed it up in a separate comment. I'd rather do good movies. Just in case he didn't get the puking face implication. I just want to say to to, to Dave Bautista, sit down, watch the eight films. You can skip the extra material because obviously this is going to be a chore for you. But look, watch the eight films. And I know you're going to start out the first one and like, this is crap. Get to Fast Five. Get to the, the, the whole crux the heart, the, the the house that Vin Diesel built with his own goddamn hands, and then look me in the face and say they're not good films. And then come on the podcast. Absolutely. I think we have a 
a pretty genuine case to be made that professional wrestlers might be doing more harm to the Fast and Furious franchise than they're doing good. You can't say that. Dwayne the Rock Johnson has been. A, a, a real, I thought. I thought he's been good for the Familia. I. I love. I definitely love his character. He caused a lot of real onset tension oh, with he? Vin Diesel. Apparently, him and Vin Diesel, at least in the past, super don't work well together. That's very surprising because they both seem like genuinely like nice people. Mm-hmm. Maybe Vin Diesel's just. Like the only thing I really know about Vin Diesel is that he is a a, a an RPG kind of like closet nerd who's who's been more forthcoming in the in the the previous years. And the only thing I know about Dwayne the Rock Johnson is that he eats twenty fish a day, and is the sole cause for the fishing shortage how, that's plaguing our oceans. How can two people with those two personality traits possibly come to loggerheads? Uh, from what I understand. Uh, they both like to exert a certain level of creative control over the movies, and maybe they don't always agree on things. It could be the classic case of creative differences, and when you yeah. get two people who are physically larger than the planet <laughs> in the same room with creative differences, I, I could guess there would be a small amount of tension. I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, if you get 3,000 pounds of American muscle... <laughs> Uh, next to... Uh, we're not talking about the cars. If we're talking about 3,000 pounds of American muscle uh, standing next to uh, the giant muscular song guy from Moana, then you're gonna you're gonna have some conflicts. Yeah. I mean, I can see that just because when you're used to kind of like walking on a set and kind of commanding a certain presence, and I could probably... I can see that both happening for Dwayne... Johnson, I guess I'll use his full name. Yeah. And Vin Diesel. Because, like, they kind of, well, especially in Vin Diesel's case, because, like, he kind of, he champions that franchise. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like he, he puts a, a great amount of heart into each, each portrayal of, of Dom Toretto. And just having Dwayne Johnson walk on probably is like, oh, we need a foil for... For Vin Diesel, Dwayne Johnson is an equally muscular man. He could be yeah. a perfect foil. And him walking on set and kind of like exerting that same amount of like I people kind of look up to me. I can see them butting heads just because they're similar types of people. You yeah. know, To be reductive, they're both kind of like alpha personalities. But I also don't think that that as a thing really exists. They're, they're both kind of like perceived social like... Uh, what's the word? Figureheads. Like, yeah. they, they, they can definitely, like, have a certain amount of, like, persona that overtakes maybe their natural personalities. I want to back up just a second. The way you said alpha, Ugh. you said alf, uh, alpha. and that made me hear alf, and then, <laughs> like, a verbal pause of, like, uh... <laughs> Alf personality. They're both certain kinds of alpha personalities. They've got a certain amount of alf in them. Yeah. Yeah, they both love to eat cats. They both love to eat cats. They make dumb jokes. Oh, you want to talk about shows that ended weird. Alf ends with him being carted away by the government, a cliffhanger, and then they got canceled. That's brutal, and I... Pour one out for Alf. Pour one out. He's being dissected still. <laughs> Pour one out for Alf. I think, uh, it seems like, by the way, that the Dwayne the Rock Johnson Vin Diesel beef has kind of been quashed. 
It's not. It doesn't seem to be a big thing anymore. It seemed to be kind of a point of contention. But I want my muscly men to get along. You know. Can you imagine how upset you would be if you were Vin Diesel and you were carrying the entire dramatic weight of the character of Dom Toretto, which culminates in him speaking, kind of monologuing to an amnesiac Letty. Yeah. Saying you can't tell someone that they love you. Yeah. And he carried that through all those movies. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson is like, I want to be in more scenes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no. I could see that. You have to understand how much I care about this shit. Fast Five is so good. Fast Five is so good. It's that was the Fast best Six, one. though, actually. I don't care. Fast Five is so good. No, Fast Five is tremendous. Uh, I'm... So except for Hobbs and Shaw, I don't know how much more we can really talk about it, but I like that leading up to it, we've slowly been putting more and more of it on the podcast because we're getting excited for it. I think this is something we chose to be excited about, Henry. This is great. Here's the thing. I'm not saying the end goal for this podcast is to slowly just become a Fast and Furious (laughs) dedicated podcast. I'm not saying that. I'm just wishing it silently (laughs) and hoping it comes true in the physicality of the universe. All we're doing is speaking our truth into the universe, and whom can blame us for that? I just want more people, like people are, because they don't know, they haven't experienced it. They see the surface value stuff that we used to see. The trailers before other movies, the commercials, maybe a news article, maybe a Dave Bautista Based news article where he says, I, I, I want to do good movies, which I can't blame him, but also he sucks. If you just look at it, the franchise on the surface, yes, it looks like garbage. It looks like Death Race or Death Race 2. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like Transporter. No offense to Jason Statham. He's Even getting, though Death Race 2000 is like an amazing... He's getting good roles now. Death Race 2000 is actually... It favorite. looks like Expendables 1 through 4. I get that. Yeah. The point is... If you actually delve into the franchise, it is, and hang in there, you gotta get to four, and then five really rewards you, and then the rest is is really better than the first three. I'm gonna yeah. say, if you have to hang in there, but like if you do all that, you will see this franchise is absolutely worth watching. It is valuable to the zeitgeist. It, it gives. Hope to people. It, it emphasizes f- family in a time where we don't really value family. We just want to move on and, and get away from the past generations that that have come before us. I like it. It's, it needs to be good. Uh, yes, it it does. It needs to be recognized for being good because the thing with those movies is they have a, a tremendous emotional artistic heart that you can't know because you can't know the trip. Unless you take the drug. You ride, you fight. <laughs> you ride, you fight. You uh, you have to give it a chance. And if anyone's listening to this podcast and you haven't watched the Fast and Furious movies... Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Seriously? He keeps telling me, like, I can't watch it alone. I can't watch it alone. I let need me, somebody to watch it with me. And I'm you, like, take that journey any way you can. Let me, what I say. Let me tell you a quick story, Jeff. I committed to this dumb bullshit bit of watching all of it. It was movies. your fucking idea. Yeah, no, but I committed hard to it because if I do one thing right, it's not committing to serious things. Huge commitment problems. But it's over committing to ridiculous things. Yeah. If something's funny or a waste of time, I'll kill myself to pursue it. Uh, but when I committed to it, I was like, 
These movies seem dumb. I'm probably going to watch them with my girlfriend. We have similar, like, sardonic kind of senses of humor. So, you know, we'll kind of be in the same space. We watched the first one together and we're like, haha, whatever. This movie's silly. As we continued to watch those movies, uh, she became increasingly disdainful of them. I became increasingly enamored. So much so that I had to watch them alone. Yeah. To fully enjoy them. It became no longer a, a communal, like, exercise in, in codependence. It became solipsistic. There was no bravery. I started to love these movies and they became part of me. And no one could truly understand. I wonder if there's a case study here for Stockholm Syndrome where, like... The the minimum amount of, of hours spent with someone to, before you fully commit is like four Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. Slash 20 Coronas. Is, yeah, that might also have something to do with it. Also, he did not kick the cap off of a Corona. No, it was not. So we are still at a deficit deficit of five. Because I'm willing to count that video of Jason Statham kicking the bottle as one of the supplemental pieces of art in the Fast and Furious franchise. No others, though. You heard it here first. A preview of the Hobbs and Shaw supplemental rating. We will begin with an in-depth analysis of Jason Statham kicking a bottle cap off of a bottle yes unscrewing Unscrewing. a bottle cap with his foot i'm sure he could if he wanted to do like a front kick and pop the cap off of one of them i believe that movies are good hobson shaw in theaters august second second eighth eighth second go see it we're gonna see it and then we can talk about it we can talk about it together it'll be a great time it'll be a great time hobson shaw august 8th Great time. You know August, be, my birthday you know, month. You know it would be great if this podcast was popular? Doing like a meetup. <laughs> a meetup for like Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> but guess what? It's going to be a meetup between you and me, motherfucker. Hey, that's all I need. That's me. Maybe do. Alright. What? Maybe do. Sorry. The maybe part was from a text that my wife sent me. Great. The do part was the, was the real world thing where... We're going to go see that movie together. (laughs) Together they made the phrase, maybe do. Okay, great. John, do you have any other news to talk about? Because I can launch into another topic at the drop of a bottle cap from IPA. I do not, actually. Oh. I uh, had the bottle kicking, and then that was pretty much it. Well, I I get it. It's a slow news week for those of us who don't worship the ground that pop stars walk on it's a slow news week for those of us whose music taste died in the late 2000s i get it dude i actually have that's fine it's music news oh say something uh it's music and pride news but you know little nas x i heard about this little nas x is it nas or nas nas i believe nas he had a new song or another song come out panini but a different song okay I've not heard the one that's not Panini. It was it Panini or was it a... It was another song where he announced something. So he... Are you talking about how he announced... How he came out as gay on the last day of Pride? Yes. Uh, he did so... Oh, it was another song. It was another... Like commitment or something. Clit. It started with a C. Then there was a seven in there. Yes, but it, I think it was a stand for a T. 
Oh, a T. Let me let me do a little bit of looking up while you. I absolutely no. I, I mean, I abs- this would be really cool to talk about because I like it. And then he joked about it today, which was I found that pretty funny too, but in like a horrible reality way. Hmm. Um, but I can't talk about that part until you introduce the first part, which is the song. So here's a famous Henry segment, stalling. Uh, so if you want to stall like I do, it's all you get closure. Gotta, it's over. It's called closure. The yes. seven is a standard. The seven for is now. a standard for now. It's called closure. He he tweeted out before Pride Month ends. I want y'all to really listen to closure, like really pay attention to closure. Mm-hmm. And that was his message. Everyone kind of picked up on it. He never really said the words like "I am gay." Yeah. But everyone kind of picked up on the message and closure, and they're like, whoa, Little Nas X came out of the closet. Now, did you see the uh, the follow-up tweet, which essentially confirmed it? I saw the follow-up tweet that said, Old Town Road is literally about horses. <laughs> Uh, yes, I think he he said that because there was a lot of like weird homophobic backlash. Well, about no, it. people like they that when they find out like an artist they like is gay, they go back and like, oh man, he left hints and all the work, and he was just saying, no, it's literally about fucking horses. Yeah, S- stop. It's not about them. fucking horses, but it's about horses. No, it's about fucking. He wants to ride them. <laughs> uh, I I think that might be two ideas. Uh, but he made a tweet that said uh. I deadass thought I made it obvious. Yeah. Where it, it zoomed in on the cover of his EP, which Rainbows. Closure was on. And the one of the buildings had a, had a rainbow on it. Uh, but yes, yeah, seemingly comes out as gay. Which, I mean, didn't literally come out as gay. Which I think that as we advance in society, loses its meaning. Because I, I it, think... I don't know. As, shouldn't it? Shouldn't it be less important? No, Should I, we... Put less emphasis on it? No, I mean, I think that it's less important for someone to come out as specifically gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it should be... It's kind of like, hey, I put a shirt on today. Yeah. You know, it it shouldn't send shocks through the cultural, like, happenings of the zeitgeist. Like, it... Because it should be more accepted, more normalized. And I mean, I don't even... I don't even think that that's my point. What I'm saying Hmm. is, like, at least for my purview, I think that the idea that... There's like this, uh, there's this like sexuality binary where someone is like either straight, they're straight until they come out as gay. And when yeah. they're gay, that means they're 100% on board for the same sex as far as relationships and sexual attraction goes. But I feel like going forward in time, coming out as gay loses its meaning because, you know, sexuality is a spectrum. Yeah. So people don't like necessarily have to come out as gay but because we still operate in a fairly heteronormative society, it is important to come out as not straight. Gotcha. Because the the assumption we have for pretty much everyone that we kind of consume through popular culture is this person is straight, I guess. Yeah. Unless they make it explicit that they're not. But I think that a lot of these headlines are like, oh, they're seemingly coming out as gay. I'm like, that's not as important as coming out as not straight, I guess. Like, you shouldn't speculate, be like, oh, if he didn't explicitly say, I'm a gay man, then is he gay or not? It's like, he's clearly coming out as not straight. Yeah. Like, he's clearly coming out of the closet in one way or another. I'd be happy if the default was, 
you're into who you're into. Like, yeah. heterosexual isn't really a word anymore because it doesn't matter if people are into anyone. Like, it doesn't matter what type you're into, you're just into. I mean, and it I, doesn't matter if you're into, to be honest. Yeah. Because asexuality is a thing. It would be great if we didn't fucking care about anyone else's, like, tendencies. That's what everybody's fighting for, right? Right? The idea that heteronormativity is no longer a concept. It's the idea that everyone's just doing their own thing. It's kind of like, so het- it's what heterosexuals have now. No one cares if you're heterosexual. Yeah. Everyone just wants that. Everyone wants to be at the point where no one cares who you're into. Yeah, I mean, that's what, like, that that's what representation and fighting for equal rights is for, mostly. It's to shift everyone into the position that a straight white male person would have, which is a position of total neutrality. No one is, like, necessarily against you. You have all the same privilege. It is the, it is the expected norm that you are whoever the fuck you are. Yeah. And, and that's what we want. Like, that's what society as a whole wants, is to be like, oh, that's... The norm is you just do whatever, and you are you. I hereby grant that. I hereby <laughs> grant, I grant that I to want society. That, but why wouldn't? Okay, I can't. I can't get into that rant. The joke that Little Nas X did today was like a, a seemingly sardonic sort of joke, where he said, "Man." I heard that Lil Nas X is gay. I'm going to stop streaming his shit. What the fuck? <laughs> like, it was tongue-in-cheek, but honestly, probably something he might be actually facing. So he's making fun of a problem he might actually be facing. I just wish him the best. He's in a t- I, lo- I love that he exploded onto the scene with nothing but, like, an Icelandic beat maker <laughs> in his pocket. And got the attention of, like, Billy. That's amazing. Anyone should be able to do that. Lil Nas X is, uh... He, he is the the most... He is the most perfect, uh... Version of what fame should be today. Which is just, you have an idea and you make something and you're famous. And you come from essentially nothing. That's the American dream. Yeah, but I think that also he's in a difficult position. Uh, and maybe this was intentional. Uh, but he came out as gay when he was... Planted firmly between two cultures, which is a culture of country music that doesn't like him and a culture of hip hop that does. And both are historically pretty not cool with gay people. I wish him the best. I haven't listened to Panini or Closure, but... Panini slaps, dude. Panini's good. Old Town Road. Anytime that comes on the radio, that is a definite hand off the dial moment, you know? Yeah. I Panini's interesting because when Panini came out, I was like, okay, cool. This guy makes music. Uh, he he made an ironic song that got really cool, like cultural traction. But then Panini came out like, oh, like this is like genuinely good. Like he's actually an artist. He's not just cashing in on yeah his internet meme kind of persona that he put on before releasing the song. Yeah. As far as I understand his history from. The, uh, the 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 biography that you put forth. <laughs> I, I was slightly concerned that uh, that it would largely continue just to be like semi ironic, uh, but Panini's just good, and uh, also that's an increasingly discounted distinction of anything is whether it's ironic or not because everything's some percentage ironic, twenty percent ironic. Now here's a stupid thing, uh, Kid Bop, Kids Bop, you, you Kid remember, Bop, you know Kids Bop. 
You know the yeah. horrible organization. No, I love Kid Bop. American Badass? No, Kids Bop. Kid Bop? Kids Oh, I'm sorry, I'm thinking Bop. Kid Bop. Now, Kids Bop is the like the whatever, the weird shadowy shadowy conglomerate that turns popular songs into kid voices. Mm-hmm. They covered old, old Town Road. And they, they edit anything? They changed some lines. And they're not the lines you think. Hold on, I'd like to... Uh, Are you going to pull it up? Are you going to listen or, or look at it? I'm going to... Because uh, I want to I quiz you. What lines do you think they changed? I'm actually going to read the lyrics. Alright, so before you do that, pull it up, but before you do that, I just want to say, they changed the line... Wait, I want to assume the lines. I want to guess. So they're not... So just think about the first part of the song. Well, they changed, obviously, Cheated on My Baby... They changed Cheated on my baby. They also for John the, for the Billy Ray Cyrus. John, part, I want to surprise myself by reading. John, I just want you to know, between me and you, they fucking absolutely <laughs> did not change that line. Uh, they had a nine-year-old sing. That's cheated un- on my baby. You can go and ask her. That's uh, unbelievable. Now, what line comes just before that? I don't fully remember. Riding on my tractor. Uh-huh. Lean all in my bladder. Uh-huh. They changed that line to... Wait, I want to read the lyrics. I this just want to tell you. This is going to be a surprise This to is the only part of the song I know. Okay. All right. Well, no, they changed something in that couplet. So look it up, but okay. no, they changed something in that couplet. Okay. I also want to think for the Billy Ray Cyrus part, they probably changed... Sports bra? Fendi sports bras. Fendi or Bendy? Fendi. What's Fendi? Fendi is a designer clothing brand. F-E-N-D-I. Oh, I don't, I don't buy my wife the expensive clothes. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take my horse to the Old Town Road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. I'm going to take my horse to the Old Town Road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. I got horses in the back, horse tack and attached. Hattie's Maddie Black, got the boots that's black to match. Riding on a horse, ha, huh? you can whip your Porsche. So this is all the same. No, so yeah, far. The, the, honest, I've been in the wait, valley. Hold on. Honestly, Old Town Road is very wholesome. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Uh, I've been in the valley. You ain't been up off that porch now. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Can't tell me nothing. nothing. Riding on a tractor, lean on my bladder. Exactly. Wait, no. You're not reading the Kids Bop lyrics. I am. No, you're not. It's song by Kids Bop. They changed that line. Did they? Oh, this isn't showing it. Is this not? Hold on. Yeah, they actually kept boobies, booty. No, no, honestly. This is not right. That's not right. So that, those lyrics as printed are not right. Because I know for a fact they changed a line that you read already. Okay, hold on. All right. So, hold on. So, so pick it up from riding on my tractor. Hold, yeah. Pick it up from riding Why on my tractor. Why did tra- they make that the lyric? <laughs> Pick it up. Ride, riding on my tractor. Riding on my bladder. Riding on my bladder. <laughs> what? <laughs> riding on my bladder for anyone. Like, if that didn't come up clear, the line is riding on my tractor. Riding, riding on, on my, my bladder. bladder. 
She ate it on my baby. You can go and ask her. Okay. They didn't change that. My life is a movie. Bull riding and bougie. Cowboy hat from Gucci. Bull riding and bougie? Wrangler like on TV rather than Wrangler on my booty. Why are you riding on a bladder? You should never ride on a bladder. Can't Doctors nobody, will tell you that. Can't nobody tell me. Well, I think so. So the next line that probably is They changed. seemingly did not keep the Billy Ray part. Now that's a stance. <laughs> yeah, like, Hold on, we're gonna kids. Bo- we're we're definitively gonna kids bopify the whole Nas X part. But fuck Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah, fuck Billy Ray Cyrus. And we thought the song was perfect as well, was. Yeah, we want to talk about making statements about music. Who kids bop? Man, I, I'm kids very. Bop is making big statements. I'm very glad we could dive into that, but that is not at all the segment I had planned. Okay, uh, please continue. How much do you know about Taylor Swift? Little. Alright, so Taylor Swift, historically, has been with Big Machine. That has been her label. She started with them. She is. She was still with them. She had been with... The, the owner of that label forever. She basically made that company. And her dad had some shares in that company. He invested in the company. Oh, Jonathan Swift? Jonathan Swift. I don't know what his name is. <laughs> That's not his name. Uh, invested in the company to support his daughter. And people read into that like, oh, it's a big conspiracy or whatever. Doesn't matter. This past weekend. Are you looking it up? That's his name. That's a no. But that's the guy essay. who wrote. He's an essayist. Is that that's? No, that's. He's the guy who wrote Amadeus proposal. Yeah, he's the guy who wrote Amadeus proposal. Shut up! <laughs> Stop throwing me off track. Big Machine sold Taylor Swift's work to her dad. Sold her work? No, there was. I mean, it was a different person who ran the company. He just invested in it. Mm-hmm. Big Machine sold her work to the same douchebag who represents Justin Bieber. No! Yes. And Taylor Swift was interviewed as saying, This is my worst nightmare. This is my worst case scenario come to life. This asshole who I hate now owns the masters to my songs. And like she had worked out a deal with Big Machine to basically get an album of her masters for a new album. Uh-huh. Album for album. Like, I give you a new album, you give me my master's back so I own it. Uh-huh. And she struck that deal, and then, like, three months later, Big Machine sold. Jesus. So now her future, her master's and all, are in the hands of the same guy who basically almost killed Justin Bieber by running him into the ground and kept, like, pumping drugs into him. I'm not defending Justin Bieber. I don't know how he is as a person, but I don't think anyone should be mistreated. Yeah. And it sucks that now Taylor Swift, my favorite pop star, is being owned by this weird dude. She could uh, she could do another deal. What's her? Where other... she releases albums in exchange to get her masters back again. That if they would go for it, and then she could pull like a Frank Zappa and just release albums of like machine noise. That would that I mean technically qualify as albums. There was a weird thing that happened with, I think it was, the album was 19, 1989, where um, there was a glitch on iTunes where 
It's a riding on my bladder rather. No, 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 no. We're um for some reason some of the songs didn't upload, so they were just like static white noise, <laughs> and people people were buying it. People were like, "What a genius! What a genius!" Clap, Taylor Swift's so smart. <laughs> so like, yeah, that would be really cool and really like, I don't know, avant garde in a time where avant gardeism isn't. The pop genre hasn't really done much lately, you know, in terms of innovation. We've got Katy Perry using over as a rhyme 17 times in the same, like, verse. Mm -hmm. I just want pop to keep evolving. Yeah, I don't listen to a lot of pop music, so I'm kind of out of the space. But that's a tremendously shitty thing to have happened to you if you're an artist. It's like you you have been with this this company, this big machine. You started with them. You became one of the most, the highest paid singer for consecutive years. You are a money generator and you put Big Machine on the map and then they turn around and sell you for $300 million. Sorry, I was it's looking, okay. I was fact checking something and then. $300 million is apparently what Taylor Swift's collection is worth. She's worth more than that. That's what I think. That's horrifying. What are you fact checking? Sorry, I was looking up some, uh, looking up a thing for later. Uh, I don't know the, I don't know anything about the Justin Bieber thing because I don't follow, but at the, at the end of his last tour, he basically was like, I have to quit. They, he canceled a bunch of dates early because he was like, I'm on the risk of like ODing and burning out. Oh Jesus. So he canceled all of his, the rest of his tour dates to basically become a human again. Mm-hmm. And the most recent, like, there was a, a large gap between his live appearances. Um, but I think it was Ariana Grande brought him on stage at Coachella. And that was his first, like, this past Coachella. And that was his first onstage appearance in, like, a couple of years. How long has this person been in charge of Justin Bieber? The entire time, Since I he think. was a literal child? Yeah. Horrifying. Like, if you've got a cash cow... And you want the cash cow to not make problems? What do you do? You sedate it. I guess. It's horrifying. There's no easy answer to things like this because music execs are extremely powerful. And that's the problem with the industry, right? Like, if artists are just trying to be artists, which I don't, I don't want to say anything about pop artists because largely they are constructed from the ground up to be popular. Yeah. But, like, if an artist wants to be an artist and write their own songs... A music executive seems like the worst person to pair them with. Oh, absolutely. Because they just want to make money and sell records. But also... What am I? Two and a half IPAs in? Let's talk about it. Okay. The reason why music executives are powerful is the same reason why all executives are powerful. It's because we have an imbalance of excess labor. It's because we give people carte blanche to use excess labor to insane degrees. Because... People, there's almost no connection in a largely capitalistic society like America's where we understand that the artist should have creative control over their own work because they're the actual ones that are creating anything that's worth a damn. We put everything in the power of the, everything in the hands of the extremely wealthy of distribution rights, and that's why music executives are so powerful. They're powerful because they've cornered the market. They've mastered the supply chain. Even though the artists are the only ones who create anything. They can buy the rights to the music. Like you said, even though the artist is the one creating the music. It seems 
messed up. It's like when Paul McCartney couldn't buy the rights to the Beatles songs because Michael Jackson bid more. Yeah. I'm not saying that either were wrong in that situation. I'm just saying it seems like the artist should be able to own the songs that the artist worked on. Yeah. That's how it is for books I mean, to a degree. And uh, maybe if you're an artist, don't buy another artist's work. Maybe respect them. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's that, that's a really great argument because people were like, well, maybe it's good that Paul McCartney couldn't profit off his own songs and made him keep keep working. But at the same time, it's like, Paul McCartney is ancient. If he wants to rest, he should rest. You mean Paul McCartney put in decades of effort into putting all this shit together so someone else can have it? So he can keep working? Like, real glad we're keeping Paul McCartney working in the McDonald's of music. We're like, he doesn't deserve to retire. Yeah, that fucking sucks. Really does. Although I did see him live. Great concert. Wings? No, I saw him in ACL as Paul, Sir Paul McCartney. Like, oh. I saw him as himself. Okay, not Wings. He played songs from his latest album, which is called, like, Egyptian Junction, Egyptian's Corkscrew. I don't know what the name of the album. He played Wings stuff for sure. Yeah. And he played some Beatles songs. Like, okay. It was pretty... It was a crowd pleaser. People were jamming. Paul McCartney seems like a good dude. I don't know enough about him. He told stories about, like... Different moments from the Beatles and stuff. That, and that's, that stuff was just as entertaining as the songs. Like, he was like, yeah, uh, so... I'm, I'm using my dumb voice. <laughs> Which is your British voice. No, as no. we've discussed, nationalism is okay on the podcast during the World Cup. He was like, so uh, John Lennon saw a poster for a circus. And then we wrote, benefit, a, a benefit for Mr. Kite. And here it is! And he, he played it. It was just like, oh, that's really cool. I didn't know that whole song was based on one poster. You know what's amazing? That was probably the best British accent and the best Paul McCartney you've done in a while. Well, you see, he's really old now, so his voice is more, like, strained than it used to be when he talks. But, like, when he sings, it's really good. Like, yeah. his voice is it's weird. Like, a switch flips in his head, and he sounds... Pretty much what he used to sound like. Hopefully no one sells his music to Justin Bieber's agent or whatever. I executive. I don't know who owns manager. the rights. I might still be with the Michael Jackson establishment. Maybe. Or, or estate, that's the word. Sorry. The Michael you. Jackson establishment. The, the entrenched <laughs> establishment of Michael Jackson. The robot from Thriller is among us. There's a robot in Thriller? In the movie Thriller? I'm thinking of Thriller no, the no, song. No, it's about a, a werewolf. There's not a movie called Thriller. There's a movie called Moonwalker. Oh, yeah, Moonwalker. That's like the Michael Jackson tape spot. Uh, yes, exactly right. Your computer made a noise. Oh, that's somebody on Discord being like, come play Super Smash Bros. Play me on Halo. Uh, so I would like to, I know that that was somewhat somber. In our final moments. Music exec top talk is always somber but i would like to leave you well hold on just just shout outs we we're gonna keep uh taylor swift and her thoughts and prayers and shout outs to our new manager shout whoever out. managed justin bieber his name is scooter brom his name is scooter brom you think no, his first name is to... scooter you think you get a baby with that name you just throw it out the window <laughs> 
So I just want people to know his name is Scooter Brom. Fuck him. Fuck Scooter Brom. Uh, now, well, he will be managing us, so we probably have to get in line. Oh, I think, as Taylor Swift said, this is our worst case <laughs> scenario. This, this is really our this worst. Is our this is our nightmares come to life. We were giving these people podcasts because every time we created a podcast, we would get one of our master podcasts back from when our podcast was good. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a shame. It's we we shame. almost got... Shake it off back. We, we almost got episode 47 back. We almost got episode 12 back. Wait, hold on, hold on. You're making jokes. Where did my your phone... phone's under your left leg. Hold, okay, we almost got... this. I don't Are know. you sure you're good at two IPAs? I don't know why I teed that off so early, because... <laughs> John, I just typed the word podcast into Google... <laughs> Oh, what'd you find? I, I wanted to find our podcast, and rest assured, I did not. <laughs> I, oh, you mean podca- our podcast is not the first thing under the word podcast in Google? Fire our SEO manager. Surprisingly, we almost got... Hold on, I'm on episode 118, and it only shows 10 episodes at a time. <laughs> we almost got... I'm in the middle of the Fast and the Furious supplemental reading. Oh, that was a long time ago. I should have just gone to our website, but for some reason I went to Apple Podcasts, uh, which only shows 10 episodes at a time. Mm-hmm. Hold on, I'm on episode 88. We almost got... Is this bit funny or tedious? Uh, I'm going to say it's 50-50. Yeah, that 50 sounds like... It's 50% tedious and 50% tedious. That sounds like our, our podcast in a nutshell. Shells are what nuts grow around. Wait, wait. So we almost got episode 47, Hyper Bowl Huevos Ranchero oh, Special. That's actually a really good episode. Back, but we didn't. We were so close before Scooter Brom bought us. Man, 47, I think, was the first time we made that really tired, we can't call it, the super uh, joke. Yeah. I just want to, so his name is actually Scooter Braun. With an oh. N. And uh, this is what his fucking face looks like. Jesus. There used to be a subreddit called, like, Punchable Faces. Yeah. Look at it. He looks it. like uh, Martin Screlly took Anavar. How the fuck? He looks like our age. Like, how the fuck does he buy Taylor Swift? I don't know. Privilege? Uh, gotta be. Gotta be privilege. Gotta be. Whoa! This is uh, my favorite segment of the podcast where uh, Henry is increasingly astounded by things that he finds on his phone. Our good friends made a film that's going to be on a film fest. I feel like I shouldn't squeeze that into the end of the episode. You wanted to end the episode on a different note. I I now turn over full control of the podcast to John. Maybe we'll do one IPA and two Pilsners in the future. You Fuck know, you. You know how when you have a pet and you have to dose it on pills that could kill it? Like steroids or whatever. You slowly have to figure out what dosage works for your pet. I think that this might be a... I think this might be a similar situation. I would like to leave you listeners and viewers with uh, something that I've very much been enjoying recently. You know that me and Henry, Henry and I rather, I don't want to be grammatically incorrect, Henry and I are students of two things, if nothing else. We're students of culture. We're also students of philosophy. Sure. 
Uh, philosophy binds us, it ties us together. It's the midichlorians in our blood and the force in our... Skin. Force in our skin. Uh, you ever seen that French movie by Truffaut, The Force in Our Skin? Yeah. John Green <laughs> copied the title format for The Fault in Our Stars. Yes, he, uh, he mistranslated it. Uh, and then it was translated again to uh, Hebrew. <laughs> foreskin. Yeah, the foreskin. Uh, I did not mean to say Hebrew. That seems culturally insensitive. Anyway. Wait, if you substitute Hebrew with any other culture, would you still make that disclaimer? No. But oh. I mean, circumcision, it's a whole thing. But we're students of film, culture, philosophy. Video games, anime, we comics. We care about one thing, and that is the text. True. We care about the text. I feel like we have found a kindred spirit in our appreciation of the text. The text is the most important thing. The text is the most important thing. And how you can interpret the text. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Gremlins. I absolutely have not. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Gremlins 2. Now, I've heard things about Gremlins 2. Apparently, there's a, a moment... Where the movie stops and, like, looks at the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Gremlins 2 actually breaks the fourth wall. is full of, like, weird meta-satire. Apparently they're in New York. So Gremlins 2, it, a Joe Dante film, the sequel to Gremlins. Some people wonder why it exists in the first place. Huge box office flop. But you and I know that box office success does not necessarily equal artistic merit. Which is why I turn to... Maybe the best Twitter account for the intellectual, and that is, of course, the Institute of Gremlins 2 Studies. Uh, it is someone who goes above and beyond. And full disclosure, I heard about this recently on a podcast. We don't talk about other podcasts, and that trend continues. Uh, but they mention it in passing, and I will mention it in detail. Is this glass cannon? It is not. The Institute of Gremlins 2 Studies seeks to understand, extrapolate on, and then coagulate the lessons that we could learn from Joe Dante's Gremlins 2 into meaningful philosophical tidbits. Take, for instance, this tweet from the 8th of December 2017 uh, from the Institute of Gremlins 2 Studies. Many of the jokes in Gremlins 2 are imperceptible to the modern viewer. The cooking cable channel is no longer satire because it really exists. We are heading towards a future where the film is increasingly inseparable from reality. I call this process hyper-gremlinization. Or, if we turn to, uh, other, slightly more, uh, uh wordy readings of the texts, uh, Gremlins 2 is both a sequel and a mockery of sequels. The need to distinguish between satire slash sincerity, art slash not art, is cowardice, a fundamental misunderstanding of any advanced media environment. Language, like the Gremlins, takes on a life of its own when endlessly reproduced. Satire is no longer effective because the escalating need for novelty drives reality past any attempts at satire. This is why the jokes in Gremlins 2 are no longer recognizable. Satire does not need distinct intent. In fact, all satire will eventually become unidentifiable as such. Satire supposes it can criticize from a vantage point outside of the temporal or ideological circumstances that produced it, but this is an idealist fantasy. But satire can embed, merge itself with the object of its mockery, and in doing so, offer the possibility of future redemption. Uh, so that is the Institute for Gremlins 2 Studies. Uh, give it a follow on Twitter so you too can experience 
the actually kind of on point because I'm a satirist. I, I've been known to satire. This kind of whole podcast might be a satire of a an actual podcast where you might learn something. But I've struggled with that idea that satire happens outside of the time period, drawing from the time period at the same time in a weird paradox thing. That's very interesting of a point that satire wants to do that but can't. The world's best satires eventually can no longer be read as satire. But also, there are more literal readings of the text, or at least more direct readings well, of the text. It, it, satire is so interesting because it wants to be a... It wants to take an event from time, separate itself from the event, but still make fun of the event. That's why you see all these late-night hosts doing the satirical thing of making fun of the current administration without wanting to deal with the criticism of what they say because it's like well we're just doing satire mm-hmm. whereas sir thomas Paine, that's not his name that's the fucking arthurist whereas jonathan swift and a modest propo- modest proposal john uh, taylor swift's father wanted to make the satirist satirical point well if ireland is so hungry they can eat their babies he wanted to take that moment out of time to make fun of the point where it's like, no, we should feed Ireland. We, yeah. should, we should address the fucking problem and not... I'm going to suggest a solution so absurd that it's f- almost bordering funny. I mean, the, the thing about satire is that satire and farce are part of the same kind of neural network. Yeah. Neural framework. So, truly effective satire can have no farce in its nature. Yeah. And if satire has no farce, it can be indistinguishable from sincerity, which you need to be careful of. But if satire that is indistinguishable from sincerity can be read properly, it's very powerful. All I say is, Gremlins 2 might be worth a watch? Uh, I absolutely think that both Gremlins movies are worth a watch. Now, like I said, there can be more direct readings of the text. There's a character... In Gremlins 2 called the Brain Gremlin. Uh, He is a gremlin that is intelligent. Let me just read. Upon gaining language, the Brain Gremlin is ripped from the world of nameless feeling. We can only re-enter this world through creating works of art. Just as ancient man made the cave paintings in Lascaux, it is for this reason that the Brain Gremlin sings New York, New York. That's what it is. Yes, they sing New York, New York. They're not in New York, but they sing New York, New York. They they do. Or at least this brain gremlin does. The brain gremlin absolutely sings New York, New York. Is that your point? Hmm? I, I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter now. I don't know. I don't know where How this have you camera... suddenly just started being on tw- Twitter? You started reading paragraphs of text from the Institute of Gremlins 2 studies and I, I, I got very lost because I have not seen the film and thus I cannot appreciate the, the nuggets of truth that are spilling out of your mouth. Well, look, I think that it's very important that we leave the audience now with a, a fairly simple kind of uh, like an aphorism, like something they can take with them that's very easy to remember before we sign off on the podcast. So listeners, I, lead you, I leave you rather uh, with this. Uh, attributed, of course, to the Institute of Gremlins 2 Studies. 
Andy Warhol once expressed that he wished to become a machine, to achieve immortality by embracing the serial and the reproducible. This is similar to the gremlin's understanding of subjectivity. Individual experiences rendered obsolete in the face of rapid reproducibility. Gremlins 2 The New Batch is itself a sequel, a reproduction, a replication. That is its flourish of genius. The only way to overcome the serialized and technological nature of modern experience is to mimic its form. In many ways, Gremlins 2 is a contemporary version of a Maschinenkunst. Machine art. Oh, of the Berlin Dadaists and Russian constructivists. But instead of mimicking industrial forms, it takes the shape of the technology that defined our era. Ergo, disposable commercialized media so you're two and a half ipas in is that is that what's happening i am two and a half ipas in maybe we limit you mr suddenly weirdly intellectual (laughs) about gremlins too and their twitter followings i don't know what i'm trying to say (laughs) okay i think from the fact that i am able to articulate my thoughts as to why you should drink less whereas i just pronounced the word machine and kunst correctly as an indicator that i absolutely should drink less and that brings us to of course the social media where you can vote on who should drink less john tell the lucky people how yes so if you want to vote on how much we should drink or if we should drink at all if drinking has impacted your experience listening to this podcast in one way or the other positive or negative you can let us know on the medium of choice Twitter.com at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. That it stands for Zero Credits Podcast with Henry and John. I did not throw it to you because we're switching it up. If you want to register your disgust and displeasure with the way that we have changed up the outro, you can do so by sending us a long-form letter to zero credits as a podcast at gmail.com. Send us your email. Send us your email. Send us an email. We promise we will read it, even though it has been three months since we have looked at that Gmail inbox. We are, of course, on Facebook. You can search for Zero Credits Podcast on the Facebook search bar. We have been legally forbidden from advertising that we are on Twitch because it has been too, too long, hopefully, to be remedied soon while we play through the entirety of Kingdom Hearts. I'm doing that with my wife, not with you. Well, stream it. I can't. I don't know how. Stream, wife, stream. It's on the PlayStation. It's on the PlayStation. If you would like Henry to stream... Him playing Kingdom Hearts with his wife. Tweet at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. Hashtag Wifestream. Hashtag, hold on. We're already, hashtag Final Fantasy VII. Hashtag Wifestream. We're already 20% of the way done. Start over. Because I'm not going to start over. This is really, it's a slog. Because the life stream is from Final Fantasy VII. Sephiroth and Cloud are in Kingdom Hearts, and Tifa, and Eris, actually. Tifa's in... I've only met Yuffie, and no, Leon. I don't, I don't know that Tifa's in it. Leon's not from yeah, 7, Yuffie, he's from 8. Leon. Is Vincent in it? Who is Vincent? I uh-huh. have met Who knows? Sid. You will play Final Fantasy Vincent's VII. the tiger! When it, absolutely not. When it is Vincent's re- the tiger! When it is re-released, you will play Final Fantasy VII. Uh, now... We are on Spotify. Search for zero credit, open parentheses, S close parentheses. Play our episodes in between every Anderson Pack song you listen to. 
Uh, he's really blowing up right now. Best teeth in the game. Now we are on Apple Podcasts. It's vitally important that you rate, you comment, you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way that people can learn more about our podcast. Get the word out. Get people listening. Get people in love with the same thing you love, which is us. Henry's wife. Well, I guess she only loves you, She loves... Well, I mean, I think she has a fondness. A platonic fondness for you. Eh, most people don't like me that much, but I am interesting to keep around. I mean, wait, no. My wife... My wife has two modes. My wife. My wife. She has two modes with people. Uh, like and adore. So she adores you. Like, she doesn't okay. hate anybody. Come on. What a good wife. Oh, the, the good, good wife. wife. The good wife. And from everyone here no, at this... the, 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 the episode is not over. What? We have one more social media. What? Because word of the mouth is the only way uh, we can survive. So take, tell take, your friends. Take that again. Tell your good wife. No, take it again from the top. From the top of the... From the top of the word of the mouth. Okay. So you don't scream during it? Word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. So tell your friends, tell your good wife, and maybe your good wife will listen. How many of your listeners do you think are married? My guess is none. Well, at least one, because my wife listens. Oh, is she married? To me! Oh, it's like a tu- a double, it's like a two-way street? And what a raw deal she got. And from everyone here from the Zero Credits Raw Deal Marriage Studios, we want to wish you a happy week! You're like sweaty and you've sunk in I'm dying! I have to use the bathroom! <laughs> this is the worst! We should end the episode! Bye! Goodbye, everybody! Yeah, dragging this out for my own torture. Cause everybody loves when the star is struggling to end the episode. Now I'm getting power from it, so I'll never end. a hamstring injury you did a shit fact checking no I I checked ESPN.com as of three hours ago it's a hamstring injury no I checked ESPN.com you're getting benched that's a red card oh fuck